Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. We're coming into Easter uh, next week and we've been in this series in the lead up to Easter called Unashamed. We want to be unashamed of who God is. We want to be unashamed of our faith. How often do we just feel the weight of shame or like, oh, I can't talk about this or I can't do that. And it's actually not what we're supposed to do. It's, it's a human thing, but we don't have to stay there. And so we as a church are becoming unashamed. We want to be unashamed. And, uh, you know, we're coming into Easter next week. I'm sure everyone's got the hot cross buns ready. Everyone's got the Easter eggs ready. Hands up if you've got Easter eggs in the cupboard. In the cupboard. Hands up if you've got Easter eggs in the fridge. Come on, it's cold enough, guys. Move them to the cupboard because they're the perfect temperature for consumption. Ah, it's good. Who's looking forward to a four-day weekend? It's going to be great. Bit of rest, God-given rest. It's going to be great. I love Easter because we get to remember who Jesus is. Like, let's, let's face it back. I wouldn't be where I am today without Jesus, without what happened on Easter weekend. We wouldn't be where we are. And, you know, without Jesus, there is no way for any of us to know God personally. There's like no way that we can know God personally. And our sin was literally a barrier that got in the way of our personal relationship with God. It it was a barrier. And God didn't want it to exist like that. In fact, God loves you so much that He wanted a way for the sin to be removed. So how is sin removed? How is sin taken? Well, the only way to get out of a place of sin is death. That's the price of sin. And so God loved you so much that He sent down His Son, God as a man, to pay the price for sin so that He could bear it on the cross and so that we wouldn't have to pay death. So now we get a second go at life through Jesus. The the barrier of sin that was once there stopping us from having a relationship with God is removed because of Jesus. And we get to live life in fullness. And so we celebrate on Friday, Good Friday, the, the fact that Jesus died in our place for our sin wiping away the barrier, but it doesn't stop there because Jesus was successful. He was victorious over sin, over death. And so He rose again. And what that symbolizes for us is we have new life. We have a new life in God. You know, the old is gone. The old is gone. The the old ways, the baggage, the sin, the things that held us down, that is removed. And we get fullness in life because of Jesus. And now we can have relationship with God. We can have access to God. And so we're going to have a moment in the service. If you haven't committed your life to God, we're going to create a space for that. The Bible says all you need to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You just need to make the decision that I am going to follow Jesus and and your sin is shifted from you to Him. You know, sin is such a heavy word, but it's really anything you do outside of God. And God doesn't want you to have sin. God doesn't want you to exist bearing that weight. He wants you to have freedom. And so whoever believes and confesses that Jesus is Lord, then they will have that sin removed. And that's such an awesome gift that God gives us. And so that's what we celebrate on Easter. And so I love Easter for that reason. But more than that, I love Easter because it's an opportunity for us to get the word out, for us to spread the word. You know, when Jesus rose again, he spent 40 more days on earth, right? 40 more days. He did a bunch of teachings and actually taught, taught a lot. He did a lot in 40 days. He's pretty productive. He's got his Google cow full. 
all appointments, busy, travel time, everything. He's got it sorted and he did a lot. But the, the, the writers of the Bible included one thing to give it extra significance and it's this one last thing. One of the last things Jesus said to us before he left in Matthew 28, 18, he said, Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Come on, I'm with you always to 2023. God is with us now. And so Jesus gathered his disciples and he said, hey, you've experienced full life. You know that I died in your place, that sin's been removed, and that, that because you've confessed, because you've attached yourself to me, then you have full life. But he's like, I don't want it to stay with you guys. Spread the word. More people need to have the opportunity to experience this. More people need to have the opportunity to have full life. If it's that easy, then why don't we just go and spread the word? Come on. It doesn't cost us anything apart from the old, heavy, sinful ways of death, and we get this full life. And so our purpose is to make disciples. It's to make disciples. Jesus said, go out to the world and make disciples. So Easter is amazing because we remember what he did for us, but it's an even better opportunity to tell other people what he did for them. The opportunity that he's given to each and every one of us. And so come on, let's get excited for Easter. I'm gonna pray before we get into the message. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would light fires in people's hearts. God, I pray right now that your words would speak to people. God, I pray for, for us all to take on the mantle of, of evangelism, of going and inviting people, that we would not have fear, God, that fear would be removed right now in the beginning of this message, God, and we would be filled with courage and boldness. And Father, I, yeah, I just pray that there'll be a flame in our hearts for the lost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, a couple years ago, I, uh, I was, thank you, Jess, you're amazing. You're so good. Um, so a couple of year, years ago, I needed to get to Sydney and back from Sydney, right? And so I had to do what we all have to do when we want to travel. I had to get on a plane. Who here just really dislikes traveling on planes? No, no one. Okay, that's great. I mean, I love traveling. I love getting to the destination. But to get in a plane, I'm six foot. Um, you know, it's a bit cramped for me. And the thing with me is if I'm sitting anywhere for more than 20 minutes, I'm like, I'm asleep. And in the plane, there's nowhere to sleep. Like you can't put your head here. You put it on the big guy's shoulder next to you. It's a bit, you know, it's not a comfortable experience, but you put up with it for the six hours to get literally anywhere from Perth. Um, and, and you put up with it to get to the destination, right? And so this one time a few years ago when I was 20, I just happened by like sheer luck, I've came across uh, 100,000 frequent flyer points. So they just arrived. I'm like, this is awesome. I have these frequent flyer points. I am going to use them. So I did a bit of researching, did a little bit of looking. And um, for my flight where I needed to get to and from Sydney, I figured out that I could use my frequent flyer points to upgrade to business class for $50. $50, right? So this is my flight from Sydney to Perth. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, when do you ever pay $50 to fly in business class, a six-hour flight? It's like, I don't, I'm guessing, but I'd imagine it's like $2,000, $3,000, probably even more. And so it's just $50, and I was this little 20-year-old youth pastor. I'm like, this is amazing. So I booked it straight away before anyone else could get in. And I went on this flight, and you know when you get to the airport, 
And if you're flying economy, you get there when, like, the last possible moment before you can get on your plane. It's like half an hour. You're checking in. You're, you're on. You don't want to waste any time at the airport. Man, I got there three hours early. I went straight to the Virgin Business Class Lounge. They check you in. Good evening, Mr. Hall. I'm like, yep, I'm here. I've arrived. I've arrived. Welcome. And it had this buffet with yogurts and food just sitting out there for anyone to come and have as much as they want. They had like free coffee, these big lounges, and I'm just, I'm taking it in. I'm soaking it in. Three hours, just people watching and, uh, and eating as much food as I can. And, you know, the time came to get on the flight and, I, you know, get taken on the flight. You go on first. You get to go on first. And so we, we went on first through a special entrance and went up right to the front and, uh, you know, it was amazing. So when I booked this, I made sure that I didn't just get any old plane. I got one of Virgin's brand new, one of their biggest brand new planes. And so it was decked out. It was like, it was, I'd imagine this is what first class would have been like. Walk through and there's these massive like boxes for each person. And so you sit in and you can stretch out your legs as far as you want. Like, I couldn't touch the end. That's how far I could stretch out my legs. You could recline. You know, you get on the plane, they give you like a champagne and, and, and croissant. Like, why not? I'm in business class. Let's do it. And, uh, and, you know, I've never been on a flight wanting it not to end. But uh, I was loving it. They had a big TV. I had a nap. But, you know, I'm on this flight, right, living my best life. And I realized that there's all these empty spots around. You know, the business class lounge wasn't full. And then separating the business class from the economy was this curtain. I'm like, man, there are six-foot people back in economy class that could be riding in business right now. They could be stretching out. Like, I feel for those people, six foot and above. I'm like, man, they are struggling right now. And little do they know, like, why don't the flight attendants just, like, open the curtains and say, all right, who's tall here? You know, come up the front. Come and enjoy it. we got some spare seats. Just come and enjoy it. Because there's all these empty seats. And, and a part of me was like, man, I just want to go open the curtain and go pick a few people and be like, hey, come on, come on, like, let's, let's enjoy this together. But, you know, isn't that the same for our walk with God? Like, isn't that the same when we talk about the gospel? You know, we, we, we're set, like, we're good. If you believe in God, you're good. We've got life in abundance. We know the, the patterns of the way that life was meant to be designed. But there are people struggling in economy, there are people back there that we know that could be where we are today. And there's these empty seats that we have available. You know, Jesus paints his picture of this, of this exact thing, and he paints it in a made-up story to illustrate a point. I want to tell it to you. It's in Matthew 14, and he says this. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell all the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they began to make excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married. I've got no time for that. And the servants returned to his master and said, uh, and, and returned to his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out to the country lanes, behind the hedges, and urge anyone you can find to come, so that the house will be full. For none of these who I had first invited will even get the smallest taste of the banquet. So this guy is throwing a big party at his house, and he's got his servants around helping him out. 
And so he goes to all of his friends first, and, and he says, servants, go and invite these people. And his friends begin to make excuses. You know, I've got stuff on. I'm a bit busy. My Google cow's a bit full, and I can't make it there. And so they return, and, and, and the master says, hey, go out and just invite anyone you can find. Like, I don't want this food to go to waste. I've put effort into it. I've put money into it. So just get anyone you can find. And they still couldn't find enough people. So they're like, hey, go even further. Like literally go into the country lanes. Like get out of the Perth metro area and see who you can find out there. And, he, and his servants went out and, and he was saying to them, hey, whatever you need to do, fill these seats. Fill these seats. So we're going to break down this story in a few ways. And, and, and the first point I want to get across from this story that Jesus told is that the master wants us to fill the seats. Can everyone say fill the seats? Come on, fill the seats. The master didn't want a single seat to go empty. He said, hey, keep inviting. Keep inviting. I don't want any opportunity to be missed. You know, I think when we come into church and, you know, we're pretty good inviters. I feel like we as Ocean's Church are good inviters. And, you know, we go out and we invite a lot of people. But, you know, personally, like how often, I know in my life, how often do we stop when we've invited, you know, our people? Our, you know, our three people. You know, you've got three invitations. I've done my three people. How often do we stop when we just, all right, I've ticked the box. You know, I've invited those people. You know, the master's saying, hey, there's still more room. Keep inviting. Until the seats are full, let's keep inviting. Because here's the thing, is your invitation is their permission. Your invitation to them is, is their permission to come into church. You know, if we don't invite them, what we're doing is we're actually saying they're no for them. We're closing the door that Jesus wants to open for them. And we're actually robbing them from opportunity that Jesus has given us to see them saved. And so when we, when we don't invite people, we're actually taking away their permission to come, their permission to eat at the banquet, their permission to enjoy what we're experiencing right now. In Luke 18, 26, it says, um, those, those uh, who heard this asked, then then who can be saved? Like, they're, they're wondering, hey, God, like, who can actually be saved? And Jesus replied with this, with this point, and it's really powerful. He says, what is impossible for man is possible with God. And I feel like there's people in our worlds that we're thinking of inviting, and we're like, hey, they won't come. They're not going to come. Like, how, how are they going to get saved? You know, they're, they're too far away. Uh, how's the gospel going to reach them? And God's saying, hey, what's impossible with you is actually not impossible with me. Don't say there no for them. You know, it's possible through me. There's people that you've probably never invited because you're like, they'll, they'll just say no. And they didn't have the chance because we said the no for them. Don't lose hope for these people. Hey, there's people in our lives. You know, we might have done the three already. We might have done the 10 already. But maybe there's people in your life that you're like, man, they're just too far. They're just too far out of the circle. Hey, don't lose hope for these people. God hasn't lost hope for these people. Come on, let's not say people's no for them. Let's be bold and courageous and invite people. No, let's fill the seats. Let's fill the seats. You know, God is greater than the impossible. God says, what is impossible for you is actually possible for me. And, uh, and so, you know, God, I really feel like God is challenging us. He's in, oh, not challenging us, but even just inviting us. He's like, hey, fill the seats. Get, get bold and courageous. Get just, just get crazy and see how many seats you can fill. He's inviting us. Hey, this Easter, this, this opportunity that we've got as a church is a time for us to begin to fill the seats, to fill the room. Let's not let anyone from this banquet 
Not, not let anyone miss out from this banquet. So the servants went around, right? And they went around and they, they didn't say um, the no of anyone around them. They went around and, and anyone that they could find they knew in the town, they're like inviting them, hey, come along, come get a meal, it's going to be amazing, and invited them along. And so they got the, everyone that they knew. And uh, they went back to the master and said, hey, we've invited everyone that we know. Everyone from our town is here. It's awesome. And the master said, there's still more space. There's still more seats. Like, I know you've exhausted your list, but there's still more space available in this room. And so what did the master say? The master said, hey, go out and see who you can find. In other words, expand your circles. Come on, expand your circles is the other thing I want to get into. You know, don't just stay in our circles. Let's not just stay in our circles of people. You know, the master said, he literally said, go out into the country lanes. Now, go out into 2J. See who you can find in 2J. He says, go out and look behind the hedges. Like, you know, have you looked behind the hedges? Have you peeked behind? Is there someone there? I don't know. He says, look behind the hedges. See who you can find and expand your circles. God, we've invited everyone we can find, but he's like, hey, have you looked behind that hedge? Have you gone outside of your circles or did you just stay with who you know, with what you know? You know, um, me and Ash, we've got a little beautiful daughter. And, um, you know, let's, like, let's say Ash is changing our daughter, like changing a nappy, doing the task around the house. And, and while she's changing it, she needs something, like an ointment or a cream. And she's like, hey, and this has happened. This has happened multiple times. She's like, hey, Jaden, like, you know, Naraya's on the change table. I just got to stay with her. Hey, can you find this? Can you find this cream? Can you find this ointment? You know, whatever it is. Like, can you find this thing that I need? Imagine if I was, like, just, you know, on the couch and I just stood up, looked around, like, mm, nah, can't see it. Sorry, I, I, I tried. I looked around in my circle. I, I had a look of what I could find. No, that's not going to float in our house. I'm, like, looking under things. I'm, like, tipping bags out. I'm, like, under, you know, the bin, under, behind the microwave. Like, where is this cream? I'm going to exhaust all my options before I give up. Come on, that's the sort of thing that we need to be like. It, we, we, need to, we need to exhaust our options, expand our circles. And sometimes we're too happy to stay in our comfort zone to reach the mission field. Sometimes we're too happy in our comfort zone to reach the mission field. God is saying, hey, go out and find people to sit at the table. We look around and we see who naturally comes up, who we bump into, you know, maybe even who God has placed in our heart. That's amazing. But he's like, no, go search for people. Go expand your circles. Go further. Search in your week for opportunities that you have. Come on, you've done your number, but, but go further. There's still room in Ocean's Perth. There's still room at your dinner party. Come on, go further. There's more room at the table. As long as we keep bringing them, here's the thing. As long as we keep bringing them, God will keep feeding them. As long as we keep inviting them, God will keep working in that space. Matthew 9, 30, 37 to 38 said, um, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He said, the harvest is so great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. 
God's like, it's great when we pray for the harvest. It's good. God, would you save more people, more salvations, more new people through the doors? That's amazing. But he's saying, hey, instead of praying for that, what you actually need is more harvesters, more people that are willing to expand their circles, to go beyond their comfort zone, to reach out into the lost, into the country, into the different circles, into the new opportunities and say, hey, there's a spot for you in my church. There's a spot for you in my dinner party. Come on, go. We're saying, yeah, God, bring us in salvations. But it's like, you bring in the people, and I'll bring in the transformation. If we can just bring in the people, God will bring in the transformation. You know, God's not the limitation. God's not the limitation here. The harvesters are the limitation. Whether there's not enough, or whether, you know, the harvesters just aren't harvesting. But, you know, we don't need to wait for the, for the mystical wave of revival to sweep through to see salvations. God is saying, hey, it's ready. It's here. Look around. Like there's two million people in Perth. There's your harvest. Let's go out and get them. Let's go out and get them. Come on. So that's expanding your circles. And another thing I really want to touch on is in this story is let's represent God to others. Our job, our duty, being unashamed is to represent God to others. Now, 2 Corinthians 12 to 20, it says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer continuing people's sins against them. So it's no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We therefore, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are Christ's ambassadors. What's an ambassador? They represent the government of their country in other countries. They represent the appeals and the needs and the desires of that country in different spaces, beyond the borders of their nation. And so what are we presenting to people? What are we presenting people with? You know, we, need, we don't need to present something new. We don't need to present something fancy or even polished. We don't need to have, you know, the, the, the lights right and the mood and you're in the cafe and it's just the perfect time to... No, like, we just need to present Jesus to others. We just need to present Jesus. It's like, it's being done. It's being done. We just need to represent what Jesus has done in our lives to other people. So what are we representing? You know, in order to represent... Jesus to others, we need to be present with Jesus. In order to represent Jesus to other people, we first need to be present with Jesus. We need to know him. We need to be reconciled with him. We need to be good. You know, if we can just get filled with the presence of Jesus, then when we go out, it says in that verse that it's although God is working through us, he's making his appeals through us. It's like if we can just get filled with the presence of God, it's so simple, we're just representing it. We're just like, this is what God's doing in my life, and it's amazing, and he can do it in your life. You know, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. So Jesus is making his appeal through us. So what does that take us from our part? It's just to have our eyes fixed on him. You know, there's this beautiful story in the Bible of this woman. Um, she was rejected by, by man after man. She, she was in five marriages, and five times the man had decided that he didn't want her. She was rejected time and time again. In fact, it became the story of the town. 
Everyone in the town was talking about the fact that this woman was rejected. It became her identity to the point where she couldn't be seen around other people. She, even just to do simple tasks, would avoid people and go out of her way to just, do, to just not see anyone, just to be by herself. She was lowly. She had no credit. And Jesus encounters her, as she, encounters her as she's just getting a drink of water. And Jesus reveals to her, and she's one of the first people that Jesus revealed himself as God to. He reveals himself to her as Messiah, and he accepts her, and he speaks out purpose over her. And he gives her a new identity, a new title. He restores her. Come on, she is saved. She has a new hope, a new life. Now, isn't that similar to what God's done for us? Can't we see ourselves in that woman? You know, maybe we've had a different story with different, different things going on, but can't we relate to that woman in a way where, where we were lost and broken and in need of something and God found us and he spoke a new name over us and gave us wholeness? Something incredible happens to that woman where she meets Jesus and it's like instantly she's filled with joy. Instantly she's filled with hope. It's like her whole world just changed around. It's like literally talking about death and resurrection. It's like she had died. Her old self had died. The old self that was lonely and and ridiculed had died. And she'd stepped into a new person. And so she went back into the town. It says she went back into the town and she said this in in John um, 4, 29 to 30. It said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? It says that people came streaming from the village to see him. People came streaming, streaming. This was a girl who had no credibility. So she didn't have the influence. She didn't have the Instagram followers. She didn't have everyone looking up to her and being like, man, how she got her life all together? No, she was the lowest. They were making fun of her. And she didn't wait for the influence to come. She's like, I'm running into my town. I'm saying, hey, I've met Jesus. I've met hope. I've met new life. Come and see for yourself. And it says that people came around from the town streaming, streaming in to come and meet Jesus. You know, in verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from the village who believed in Jesus because of what the woman had said. Uh, many, many, disciples from, uh, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because of what the woman had said. He has told me everything I ever did. And when they came to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then, the woman, uh, then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us. So they believe first because of just what she said, just, just the fact that she went out there. So now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard for ourselves. We have seen Jesus for ourselves. Now we know that indeed the Savior, that now we know that he indeed is the Savior of the world. So she went out and it's like just her passion with her passion she was armed with passion and a relationship with God, and she represented her encounter with Jesus at the well to these people. She, all she needed to do was represent it to these people, and they believed. People came streaming in. Now, she was the most lonely, no credibility. She, she could have been like, why would I even bother going out and telling people? They're not going to believe me. I've got no credibility. I've got no trust. They think so lowly of me. She could have let that stop her. But instead she said, hey, I've seen this. I've been transformed by Jesus and you need to come see for yourself because it's too good to miss out. Hey, how well are we representing Jesus? You know, they believed because she was a representation of Jesus in, in, in their lives. So how well are we representing our personal encounter 
with Jesus. Our role is to be great inviters. It's not to be great convincers. It's not to be the people who know the most about theology or have the best strategies. Like the woman at the well, our responsibility is just to keep our eyes on Jesus and represent that to the world, to represent that to the people around us. You know, as we do this, Jesus will work through us. He will make his appeals through us. And so we just need to be available. You don't need to make it work. You don't need to force it. We just need to be available, have our eyes fixated on Jesus and represent that as we go. Another way of saying this is, is just, be, just be obedient to God. Just follow Jesus and his ways and it will flow through you. You know, Christ sent us out to the world to make disciples, to make disciples. And so that's how we can be obedient, just to go with our eyes fixated on him and present it, represent it to the world. The last thing I want to touch on, and I think we'll get the band up, is just to trust him in the gap as well. You know, it's okay if not every person you invite to Easter comes. It's okay if not every person you invite to church comes. It's actually okay if they reject you or have excuses. In, in the story of the banquet, Jesus actually accounted for people to have excuses. He's like, hey, these are some of the things that people are going to say. People are going to be like, you know, hey, I just brought my field. I need to go, you know, look at it. You know, my money is pretty important. I need to make sure that my money is protected so I'll catch up with God another time. Another excuse was my, my oxen, my work is, is a bit bit too important right now. I need to give my focus to that. You know, I'm working on Sundays. You know, these are going to be some of the excuses. Mine just said I got married and my sex life is pretty important to me right now. And so that's what I'll catch up with that later, but I'm focusing right now. And so he's like, hey, people are going to have these reasons. People are going to have excuses, but it's not our job to get discouraged when people turn us down. Just keep inviting. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. It's true. They're not rejecting you personally. They're rejecting Jesus. And Jesus doesn't need defending. You know, there was this time when Jesus was actually being arrested and his disciples pulled up their swords and they were ready to fight. Like, let's go. Jesus is like, lower your weapons, guys. Like, I don't need protecting. I'm good. I'm good. Jesus is good. He's okay if he gets rejected. He's accounted for it. He's planned for it. All he wants us to do is to spread the word. It's Jesus that transforms lives. It's Jesus that works through people. We just need to be available with our eyes fixated on Him and be ready to go out of our comfort zone and invite people. Now, I'm really encouraged by this one verse in particular in 1 Corinthians. It says, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. This is Paul speaking. He's like, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. It was God that made it grow. Hey, come on, church. Our job is not to make sure that our friends have salvation. To, to perfectly lead them through in the best way, magical, open your eyes, there's salvation. Our job is just to invite and spark conversation, to represent God to them. If we plant the seed, God will make it grow. If we can plant the seed and be available, God is going to work through that. He's going to be the one that transforms our hearts, transforms our eyes. You know, fix your eyes on Jesus and you will make disciples. You know, when I was in youth ministry, we had, our youth ministry was awesome when I was uh, a bit younger. You know, it was pumping and we were doing a good job and we had all these people coming in and more and more I was like, man, there's these young people coming in for one time and then disappearing. And so how can we improve our strategies? How can we make it better? Like, you know, better follow-ups, better systems, better groups and connect and maybe let's change things up. And for ages, I'm like trying to get this system to work. 
And I just felt like God saying, hey, them coming into, into youth and hearing about God is not a wasted opportunity. You're planting a seed that I'm growing. You're planting a seed that I'm growing. Come on, when we invite our friends, we're planting a seed that God is growing. When it's our family members that we've invited 11 times, we're planting the seed that God is growing. It's Him that transforms. It's Him that renews. It's Him that brings hope. We just need to be available. Be available to invite this week. Come on, let's expand our circles. How can we go out of our way, in our week, in our opportunities, at our cafe, at our barber, at our, you know, how can we go out of our way to invite people. Come on, let's fill seats. Let's fill seats this week. Hey, I just want to give three really practical things. Is that cool? Really practical things, tips to help you. The first is, when you're inviting people, in general, invest in the people. When you're telling people about God, invest in the people. You know, that means actually have friendship with them, have relationship with them. Invest time in the people. Invest love in the people. It is important to have non-Christian friends because we need to be around those circles. We need to expand our circles. Invest into people. Join things and, and different social things and get into different circles. Invest and, and build friendships. It's not about saying the right word, but it's just about loving them the way that Jesus loves them, representing Jesus to them in that moment. That's invest into them. Another one is to invite them. Open a door for them to, at church. Like, the people didn't have permission to go to the banquet until they were invited. And there's people that feel like they don't have permission to step into church. There's people that feel like they're not good enough. They're not worthy enough. They're too broken. Or maybe there's people that just need to be asked 12 times. They know that on the 12th time, they're gonna come, but they just need the other 11 to just give them enough oomph to get into the room. Come on, let's invite people. Let's give them permission. Give them permission to sit at the table. The third thing is to integrate. And that just means to do the journey with people. Just do the journey with them. Invite them to your dinner party. Invite them to, you know, to, to what you do, into your life. Just have dinner with people. Have coffee with people. Let's begin to integrate people into church, into, into this journey. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, let's help them with that. You know, we're not, we're not a, an organization or a structure. You know, more than that, we are just a bunch of people walking towards Jesus together. And our job is just to open our arms and bring a bunch of people with us. And so let's integrate people. Um, I might just get us to stand right now as we come into a finish. And just as we finish, I want to tell you this story. And um, I was really looking for a story to drive home this whole message. I'm like, man, it would be so great if I had this massive, powerful story that I invited someone and they came and their life was transformed. And now, you know, they're leading worship. And it's like, but I just thought there's a story that happened recently and it's so mundane, but that's sort of what's so cool about it. I was having a conversation with my neighbor over our fence. She was telling me about her life and um, what's going on. And they're struggling with money because um, her husband's FIFO and he can't get enough work. It's the contract's not enough. And so they're just needing something new. And I'm like, opportunity, opportunity. Can I pray for you? Is that cool? Like, I'm just going to pray that a new opportunity would come up in work. And so I just prayed with her. I'm like, God, would, would this person get a new job that pays more? It's more like more income that they would be okay. Prayed to amen. And I followed up with him two weeks later and it had happened. Like it actually happened. He got a full-time job, exactly what he wanted. Paid exactly what he wanted. It was on time, off time. And now the thing is, you know, they're not saved, but a seed's been planted. They're not saved, but a seed's been planted. And I'm going to invite them to Easter next week. Um, I'm excited to do that. And, uh, and But that's how it can be. And just look for opportunities. Look for the normal. 
in your life and just ask how, how God can work through that. God, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling me to have faith for? Come on, how can I expand my circles? God, why don't we just close our eyes right now? Spirit, I just pray you give us courage and give, give us faith, God. We not count out any person as lost. We not count out any person in our world as lost. No one is too far gone from, too far gone from the love of God. And so, Father, I just pray, would you give us eyes to see the opportunities in our worlds? Father, would you give us courage? Thank you that the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power. So God, I pray that we would be powerful in the way that we invite people. Lord, would we be good representations of you? Father, I just pray that it wouldn't even be complicated. It would be simple, God. I pray that we could represent you to the people that we're around. And, and that, Father, that they would encounter you just in us being ourselves, in us focusing on you. Holy Spirit, would this church be a church of courageous inviters, of bold inviters, of people that aren't content just sitting in business class by themselves, but people that are willing to open the curtain and bring in more people, fill the seats. We're not content until the room is full. We're not content until Perth is saved. We're not content until every one of our family members, every one of our friends, every one of our co-workers, come on, we're going to keep planting seeds. Holy Spirit, would you give us persistence? Would you give us perspective? Father, would you give us a fire in our hearts for the lost? God, I pray for people who have lost that fire. Would it be reignited right now? In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, would our heart be like yours for the lost? In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.